Hello, this is Matt Morrell, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, February 27, 2022. Hey everyone, I'm John Vanderbilt. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady. And this is the Next Level. Good morning. Morning. 50 degrees today. You know, I don't oh, usually man. like to give a weather report, but I'm so pumped for mm, spring. We're, we're almost to March. I know. I love winter in the Midwest. Snow. Like, if, if you're going to have winter in the Midwest, you need snow. I'm from Michigan. Simone's <laughs> looking like, at me what like are you I'm talking in, about? Like, she just <laughs> suffered through <laughs> the last <laughs> <laughs> like, Please tell me you hey, have a point. No, if you're going to if you're gonna do winter, right. I say have snow. Yeah, it's got to be have white. F- yeah, all that kind of stuff. But I will admit, the snow that came, was it Friday? It came mm-hmm. Thursday night, mm-hmm. and it was like, you might get an inch. I'm thinking. It was a lot. No big deal. It was a lot. Oh, I was a little bit like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to happen one more time in March. It, it always does. I just yeah. hate it when it falls at night, and then you got to wake up to it. Like, our morning is so crazy mm-hmm. and chaotic as it is, trying to Who has get everybody up. Yeah, I'm like, oh, i got to go shovel now. It's Oh, it's more than I thought. Blah. Let's talk about spring. When will you all put your gardens in? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this is this is what we uh, want to get to. Are you plants inside, Matt? Already? No, we're getting, we're going to start. Yeah, I'm going to go get. Uh, I need to go get some white sweet potatoes. They have some yeah. at Pete's. Oh yeah. my gosh, they're four ninety nine a pound. It's totally worth it though. <laughs> after you like put it on, like instead of just going and buying the food at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? It's two, a fun process. Two years ago, this For the kiddos. This yeah. past year, our sweet potatoes were like. They were way too small. They were like fingerling. I don't know why, but the year before we had massive ones and we had like 30 or 35. The potatoes awesome. that you gave me and yeah. I put in the ground, they produced really well, super sweet. They Here were we actually go. yams. This is, yeah. <laughs> All right, we can well, be done. I want to know if everybody got their Wordle this morning. Are you guys doing Wordle? I haven't done that. <laughs> well, I am. I didn't do it, it yet today. Is it fun? So talk about it. It's okay. super fun. So is everybody doing the same word? How yes. does it work? Okay. It's, it's kind of cool. I saw somebody post something. It's like, Wordle, the thing I hate to do every day that I'm definitely uh-huh. doing tomorrow. That's uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh-huh. I have stayed away from it all so my far. Kids are, oh, it's kind of fun. All my kids are doing it. It's uh-huh. hilarious to watch people's personality. Yeah. Okay. It is hilarious to watch people. Can you give me... 20 second. It's a five letter word that you try to guess within six guesses. Mm-hmm. And the, the, if you have a letter correct, it's yellow, but it's in the wrong spot. If you have a letter that's green, it's the right letter in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And okay. so you're using to like, as you guess, you're trying to figure out, well, some people's goal is to get it mm-hmm. in as few tries as possible. What do you mean some people? That's the point of the game. Well, this is where personality comes in because Wyatt's goal is to get it as quickly as possible. Oh, time and you use all. So he's just he's no. so oh. funny. That's awesome. He's like, oh, you guys get funny. the world? Yeah, I did. No. No. <laughs> like, what? Because it took me six tries, is but I got it in like, like a minute. Oh, oh. Is it just no, one a day? I didn't even know that was a possibility. Every it's just 24 hours, it's There's a new There's one word. word every day, and it's the same oh. word like throughout the world, right? I mean, that's kind of cool. Okay, so it's not a time-consuming game then. It no. can it can be. Well, yeah. There are certain personalities that it takes. They think all about day. it all, all day. Hours. Oh, that's me. I'll start okay. it. If I'm not on a roll, I will walk away from it. <laughs> I see. No. And then I'll come okay. back to it because you no. carry are the same really? person. <laughs> that's why I love her. <laughs> yeah, it's like I want to. I definitely want to get it right. I've never not gotten it. Yeah. So that is important to me. 
Are we boring you? <laughs> so it's just funny because people like you in our try house, it. You, you would got, like it. You like words. Yeah, I did. Yeah, the you words. got seven people doing it, doing yeah. the word at all yeah. different times, That's and fun. you can't like talk about it. No, and, like, you can't give it away. The kids are like, did you do mm-hmm. it yet? And they'll show it to each other, yeah. and it's like uh, every know. now and then I've been like, just give me the first letter. Just that's all I'm asking for. The first letter, and Anthony won't do it. Yeah. So some like to be a group activity. So I consistently say, and then you, yeah, you share the, your results. The, the Wordle is an individual activity. What Let's are your, just remind before we get into it, one quick fun question: What are your go-to's? What are your favorite family board games? Uh, Ticket to Ride. Ticket to we Ride. I don't know oh, that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you're in the perfect for age the young group kids. For the, yeah. They know? Okay. Oh yeah, you'll have fun. It's a great game. Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. Ticket to Ride. I think it's the most famous. Yeah, we have it. Uh, We've only played it a handful of times. But it's like the best-selling board game of all time oh, I did or not something know crazy that. like that. Yeah. We're into Monopoly Deal. Oh, yeah. That's we a play super a lot fun of one. That that's so, it's so addicting. Do you have that? How is that different than Monopoly? Uh, totally mm-hmm. different. It's cards. It's, there's some similarities, but it goes it's, a lot faster. It's a lot faster. Yeah. So oh, you, that's you don't have a board. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have it's, a board. Huh, you just play with your cards. Right. Right now, we're playing Junior Monopoly. Oh. Okay. Which goes fast yes. because you every time you land you have to buy a spot. It's for yeah. the kids. And, yeah. But but we've we've started to do deals now. We've started to do like okay you can you can negotiate. Yeah. You yeah can, right. and it's so funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> watching like an eight and a ten year old negotiate. Yes. Fun. Yeah, yeah. We like Boggle. We like oh, Boggle yeah. a whole lot. Classic. That's one of our go tos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I was wondering like if I like Boggle, why well, I like Wordle. Yeah. I. Th- I would think so. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't really get into it right away because I'm uh, I'm too cool for whatever the social trends are. <laughs> that's what. That's a hundred percent the reason why yeah, I haven't got on it yet. I know that's why. I'm I did like, it. Nope, and then nope, Gen Annika, X, baby. Annika was like, get away. "Dad, would you help me with this?" You know, or yeah. whatever. And I was like, "Wait, what's this?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, this is cool. <laughs> it's pretty. What uh, do you have memories of? Uh, uh, we're not a. We weren't a big board game family with our kids. So we Andrew and I used to play chess some. Um, yeah. Do you play Sorry? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we don't That's have my that. Life. Oh, they, <laughs> the kids like it. <laughs> Sorry is a is a great game, but yeah. be ready. Be ready for fireworks when when that when, the, when that sorry card comes out. When the sorry card comes out, and yeah. you always give me the sorry <laughs> card. <laughs> yeah, phase ten. We're really big into phase ten. Do you guys phase play that? 10, that's oh, a good yeah. one. Oh yeah, that's Skip fun. Bo. Yeah, Uno. Uno's great. Y'all do any card games like spades or hearts? Or I love spades. Same. We just, we just yeah. had a card love night spades. over at some friend's house. Played a little euchre. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know that game? I never yeah. played mm-hmm. euchre. All oh, our family yeah. in Indiana loves euchre. Euchre yeah, is for Indiana Midwest what game. spades it is, a Midwest is for game. Kansas. We did not know yeah. that game when we moved here. But that was, love uh, it. Let's do some questions. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, here we go. First question. Is holy war unique to Israel? Has God ever directed other nations into battle the way he directed the Israelites to attack the Canaanites? Could Christians or other nations rightfully claim that God is leading them into battle today? You know, the way I defined holy war on Sunday, I would say that uh, it's unique to Israel. I defined holy war as a war in which God acted as the commander in chief of Israel. And then I gave a little list of how God was uniquely involved uh, number one, he identified the enemy, directed the action, determined the goals. He fought on their behalf, terrifying the Amorites. And then he, he actively secured the victory. He gave the victory. So it seems important to note that the ancient Israelites were never given a broad mandate to wage war. Instead, they were given a specific people in place that they were to conquer, namely the Canaanites. Uh, so holy war, I think is, is unique to them. And, um, 
God gave this directive not because they were particularly righteous, but because he had chosen them to work through them to bring the Savior. Um, and because the Canaanites were sinful. They were, they were kind of a twin goals there. They had, the Canaanites were being judged by God. Uh, Israelite was, Israel was carrying out divine judgment. And then God was going to work through Israel to bring the Messiah. So I, I think it's um, Holy War is unique to Israel. As for Christians today and other nations claiming that God is their commander-in-chief, I, I just don't see that in Scripture, um, at least not in the way that Israel could claim as much in the Old Testament uh, as they were conquering uh, Canaan. So while a nation could certainly claim that their war is justified, you know, I think the Ukraine has the right to say that their self-defense is justified, uh, in battling the Russian forces, uh, God's work in Israel was very unique in history. So, and, and the reality is that Christians are strictly forbidden from using violence in an attempt to spread the faith. So I, I'm worried, you know, remember the Crusades of, of Christian history. That's an ugly time in which uh, they were uh, violently spreading the faith, um, conversion through the sword. And, and that's just not New Testamental. It's Frankly, it's not Old Testamental. That's not what Israel was doing. They weren't spreading the faith through the sword. They were, they were conquering the land that God had chosen to give them. So, you know, Christ told his disciples not to use violence. And Peter pulls out a sword in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus tells him to put that away. And, and Christ himself was a peacemaker. We're to be doing the same. Um, Christ was persecuted. We're to expect persecution, suffering for our faith. So in, in, there is no means in which Christians are to be violently spreading the faith. So Yeah. I think of, um, you know, there's a lot of um, overlap between kind of military and, and Christianity. Like we just spent some time visiting like the military academies and some of the most prominent buildings are the chapels. Mm. And, um, and so there has been sort of this um, uh, combination of um, doing what is right and fighting for justice mm -hmm. and sort of military. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's probably, you know, the devil's in the details, right? Yeah. So I can think of, you know, soldiers going into places and standing down evil and, and then people wanting, and, and that being justified, right? Yeah, sure. Um, Philosophically justified. Yeah. Right. And, and, and maybe an individual could say, as a believer, I'm doing this, putting myself in harm's way and standing down evil, it, it, using my life to honor God in this way, right? Like yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm protecting and, and so I, th I can see how that would happen. Where it gets dangerous is when you say all these troops are deployed in the name of Christ. in the name of Christ, <laughs> right? Because right. Um, I mean, we we certainly don't know that to be yeah. to be true, to be happening. You know, I think part of the answer to the question is, well, we don't really know. Does God use nations to stand down other nations who are being well, it's unjust? It's like certainly yes, but we need to be careful claiming. What I wanted to say is, we need to be careful claiming Old Testament. Uh, mandates by God to do things to our modern context, right? Yeah. When we like, yeah. you know, go and right. fight and okay, well, we need to go and fight just like God had the Israel doing. That's what we should be doing as, you know, Colombia <laughs> or, right. or America or, right. or, or, or whatever. But kind of that individual or even, 
you know, uh, some uh, collective of standing down evil as as uh, soldiers. Um, yeah, it's tricky, right? Yeah, I think we're going to get into just war theory here in the next few questions. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fun topics. Holy war and just war. Hey. I mean, I, can, you did a great I feel job. like is it too obvious? Like. What were the chances that yesterday's passage fell on a weekend Agreed. where there isn't yeah, that I was crazy? That too, yeah. I mean, I think it's just another like a, a reason why it's so beautiful just to preach the scriptures. Like they address every yeah. topic yeah. that we're facing in the world, and it just so happened. Yeah, if, and I'm not opposed to preaching. Glenn Bible Church has from time to time preached topical sermons right. on mm-hmm. say, but if we had been in a marriage sermon series yesterday, <laughs> and, you know, we would have had to pause pretty significantly, but to your point, by God's sovereignty, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like that current events were the, 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 you know, front and center to, mm-hmm. um, an opportunity to talk about God's word. It's so different now watching this and getting it on your phone. Yeah. The oh, images, yeah. the, I mean, Everything we've never, in real there time. hasn't really been a war like this, like this mm-hmm. in, in our lifetime where we've had this you know, people posting in real time and yeah. videos. Yeah. And so I'm following a, a Ukrainian journalist who, who posts in English in some in, in uh, Ukrainian language. So he, but he, to your point, he'll walk down the street and you're watching in yeah. real time battles. Wow. wow. It's crazy. It's hard to wrap your mind around it to be, it, it feels like, is this real? I did see like a, somebody put something up that said, um, be careful what you're watching because people are using other footage and mm. old footage and yeah. portraying it sure. as though it's happening mm. now. And so um, it was actually the Ukrainian government who said, be really, really careful doing this. Yes. You're giving away what's where, going on. You're giving oh, away where we're hiding. Oh, you're wow. giving away where we're fighting. Yeah. And so like, there's a little bit of like, yeah, it's really powerful to see what's happening in real time. And, really, and the world wants to know. And then at mm-hmm. the same time, it's like, don't post that. <laughs> you right. know, well, sure. You're giving away. And- so this journalist posted uh, some POWs mm. and he posted their faces. <gasps> oh, wow. And, and so the Twitter feed was, was just lambasting him that that's contrary to the Geneva yeah, conventions. Right. And he had to point out, I'm, not, I'm a non-combatant. Yeah, right. I can post whatever I want. Yeah. And then they started appealing to just the ethics of it because right. these guys can't go home. Right. Or that they may be persecuted. Did you yeah. see how they... So they, the first thing, apparently, I mean, we're all theorists in this, right? But Or experts in this. They knocked out their communications. Yeah. And then... Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Awesome. Rescue. Awesome. Skynet is yeah. like... Yeah. Or is it called Skynet or something like that? Skylink. Skylink. Yeah. Skynet's from Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Wait a second. <laughs> but yeah, it turned on all their internet communications. Yeah. And it, it, because somebody, like a minister of justice or something, tweeted at him. Yeah. Their vice president. Yeah. Vice president. It's like, what yeah. on earth is going on? It's amazing. What a world right? we live in. It was, I was thinking, like, wow, you know, we're so connected. Uh, th- there's a lot of bad things that could come of being so connected, right? Cyber attacks and yeah. things can get shut down. And then on the opposite end, you have this amazing thing that could happen because we're so connected that somebody can just make a call and restore something that was taken away. So vital and critical. I wonder to what extent Elon Musk wrestled with the wisdom of helping out Ukraine. Uh, bear with me here. You know, the Ukrainian nation is not without fault. Uh-huh. And right. Zelensky, just like every nation, right? <laughs> yeah. We were talking earlier about how Zelensky um, jailed. Isn't perfect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he jailed 
the man he beat for election. And so I, it just, it's, no one is sinless in this. Uh, and it can be hard to sort through. Um, it's always, and it always is like, it always comes like, you know, mm-hmm. as it all unfolds, right? Like, oh, did you know about this? Did you know about this? Did you know about this? Did you know about, you know, it's like, oh, 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 there's, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's never. No one has clean mm-hmm. hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's n- right. Right. At the same time, the almost the entire planet seems pretty galvanized oh, at the totally. right and the wrong, right. yes. which is something we've needed right. for three, well, more than three years, but particularly <laughs> for three years. Right. It is and nice. I, and I'm, I'm, one of my prayers has been that God would use that to repel Russia in whatever way that happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like other nations get involved in more yeah, war breaks right. out, but just that, you know, in these increasing sanctions or in someone like an Elon Musk stepping up and actually, right. you know, like what if like Bezos comes and cancels Amazon for Russia? I, I don't know. Right. Like, right. but there's, there's Which people I think they who did. are, I think they have. Wow. There are people FedEx who are no influential there and oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Man, so, that's, but that's what that's the hard thing too is right like are we get all into this but like the innocent people oh the russian citizens are going to suffer oh, no. and it's just it's it, so sad yeah i mean it's man there are already reports they're going to atms and there's no money yeah oh, wow. wow and the images of people protesting in russia are just I have powerful a, a yeah and that ain't going to go well i have a friend it hasn't <laughs> they've been jailed a lot of yeah. them i have a friend that works in um, relief in conflict situations Medair is the name of his organization, and he's he works in that organization, and he put something out that said war is always bad. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's it's always there's always consequence that is awful, mm. and it's and a lot of times we kind of want to be quick. Let's go to war, you know, go get them or go do like I can. You can hear that sometimes, right? Like, and you can feel it sometimes, and uh, and then. You know, once you kind of start thinking of like, there's always innocence uh, affected. Yeah. No. yeah, I think we could safely say that war is always a product of sin. Oh, for sure. And yeah. it's it's not that all combatants, all participants in war, are sinful, are, are right? equally to blame. <laughs> right, right. That they, we don't share equal blame, but it's it's in, in just war theory, it should always be the last resort. Yeah. So are you guys? And we're going to get into this in the next uh, question here. Uh, I'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about yeah, it. I'll ask go. the question. Is it ever permissible for Christians to engage in war as an act of self-defense? Do Paul's instructions in Romans 13 apply to Christians in nations that are actively under siege from an outside force? So I do think that Christians can act in self-defense, including serving as police officers and soldiers. Uh, it's interesting to note, in fact, that John the Baptist was asked by a soldier what specific acts he should perform in keeping with repentance. And John did not tell him to leave his post. He didn't say, you can no longer be in military service, you have to lay down your sword. He didn't say that. Instead, he said that you have to discharge your duties as a soldier in fairness and contentedness. And in particular, he said, don't extort money. Because I think it's easy Mm -hmm. for soldiers, uh, particularly in acts of war, uh, to use their power for very selfish and ugly gain. So a couple different times, in fact, in the New Testament, soldiers are described as devout men. Acts chapter 10, verse 7, Matthew chapter 8. In other words, those who, devout meaning they're committed to their faith and they're serving well as soldiers. 
Some confuse, in fact, the prohibition against murder, the Sixth Commandment, which we'll get to in Deuteronomy chapter 5, with an affirmation of pacifism. A pacifist is someone who will not pick up arms, uh, even in self-defense in some cases. So I don't see uh, the condemnation of murder in the Sixth Commandment as a call to pacifism, but rather a, a directive to respect life. In other words, war should be our last resort. Mm-hmm. Police officers should pull their firearm only in the worst situation. Mm-hmm. Deadly force should not be used uh, unless it's deemed the only option. Um, and so in my estimation, sometimes we must act with, in a violent fashion, police, military, in order and actually to preserve life. Um, in Romans chapter 13, the question asker brings it up. Uh, Paul's passage uh, there is on the importance of submitting to governing authorities. And Paul's point, one of the points he m- makes there is that God has ordained government for the purpose of constraining evil, uh, putting down unrighteous acts, immoral acts, and, and frankly, supporting those who are acting with righteous, uh, righteously. Uh, so picture in your mind's eye policing actions, whether national policing actions, local policemen, or international. I think there are some cases in which we can act as a, an international police force um, and that we need to constrain evil on a global level. That's, you know, what NATO is trying to do. We're trying to, ideally, you know, you know trying to act together to to preserve and protect nations uh, against violent aggressors. I, here's the hard question, I actually think, uh, and I, I was wondering about this. I think the hard question is, if you're a Russian soldier and your government has ordered you to war that you think's immoral, <laughs> how do you, I mean, that's, that's a confounding situation. Yeah. Uh, and I'll guarantee there are Russian Christian soldiers that are in a hard spot ethically as they're being ordered to invade mm. Ukraine. Huh. Yeah. In fact, someone, uh, someone thought that the, this Ukrainian journalist who posted these POWs, the POWs, get this, they were taken prisoner when they showed up to ask for gasoline for their tanks. Mm. They ran out, or their armored personnel carriers, they ran out of gas while invading the Ukraine, and they showed up asking for gasoline. Of course, they were taken prisoner. So someone said, they don't really need gasoline. They don't want to fight. Right. Right. And I thought, oh, you know, if you were, if you thought the war you were forced to fight was immoral, what action would you take? Mm Yeah, there was apparently a report of some of the first invaders, they just gave themselves up. Oh, wow. Immediately, because of their, they, I don't know enough of all the makeup of the Ukraine, but there's a Russian. They were not going to take up arms and kill their people right. who were. But at the same time, if they did that at the point of from which they left, they would have probably been executed mm-hmm. or jailed, right. or imprisoned, right. or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. so I, yeah, you know, I, um, maybe eight or nine years ago, did a decently deep dive on pacifism and just war. There was a couple guys at, at the church I was at that would just go back and forth. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually, I thought, I thought the pacifist uh, arguments from scripture were good. I, I was like, okay, I can see where you get that. And the, the problem I have with uh, pacifism is um, it just doesn't seem to play out in the real world very well. It just 
to me just, you know, and I don't know a ton about it, but it just seems like um, a lofty idea that when you live in this real world is going to be hard to implement if you get put in the situation. So it's difficult to be a pacifist when not everybody else is. Is the way I usually say it. <laughs> if everyone, was, say if everyone yep. was a pacifist, yeah. that'd be beautiful. And I, you right? know, I mean, it would yeah. be a beautiful world if everybody believed yeah. in in never making war. And the problem is that there are bad people in the world, yeah. and someone has to. Yeah, that's that's the joke is a pacifist is someone who's never met a mean person. Mm. Right. Well, right. I mean, that my my buddy who argued pretty, you know, in an ardent way about being a pacifist, uh, somebody broke into his home. Oh, and um, and, you know, he had wife, kids. Right. And the guy took off and my buddy jumped in his car and went after him. The now, pacifist he did? He did? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like we can you can talk about it and have these lofty conversations, but when it hits you right in the gut, mm-hmm. and especially when your family's involved. Is now the time to quote Mike Tyson? <laughs> Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> I love that quote. I love that quote. <laughs> totally. I'm impressed you have a Mike Tyson quote. Well, yeah. No, I, we have a, it, it's we a good we one. pacifist at Glow Bible Church, and... And I find it yeah. humbling because these are people I, I respect and I'm yeah. thinking, what part of this don't I get? Mm. And it may just, yeah. it may be a lack of humility or faith on my part, but it, I agree with you, Matt. I, I'm not sure how it works out. I'm glad there's pacifists and I'm glad that they yeah. are trying to communicate live. to others and to live that way. It's, I never saw that movie. Did you ever see that movie, Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah, I was just going to say. Did you watch that? Yeah, there's a couple. The Mel Gibson movie, right? Was it about the pacifist? And mm-hmm. I don't know which war it was. If it was World War II, but he basically was... Oh, yeah, I saw that. It's, it's you know, great... He wouldn't he take up arms, battle, but, but, but he would go and any. save yeah, right. people. And, and he, and he frankly saved his whole platoon or whatever. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard of people that have... Um, in fact, I know somebody. They were drafted into war and didn't want to fight, and they so they cooked to support, you know, like they said, Hey, I can't take up arms against these people. So I'm going to, I will work in the kitchen. I'll do everything I can to preserve life, but I, I can't take the life of somebody else. There's a a great movie titled the mission. I'm just looking it up here uh, about an 18th century Spanish Jesuit priest and, and working in South America and, um, the conversion, uh, Robert De Niro's in the movie, yeah. and it, it wrestles with issues of pacifism yeah. and just war. Again, it's titled The Mission. Have, and Have you had good dialogue with, with, you said there's folks in our church you respect and you, oh, you, know, yeah. you listen to them, like, is it persuasive from a biblical, from a scripture standpoint? The good thing um, is the pacifists don't come after you physically. <laughs> 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 Did you just power up? I mean, what? I put him in an armbar, and it was all. Oh, better. I will punch you. Whatever, in the and face. then he, he suplexed <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's super humbling. I mean, um, yeah. so I, I come away thinking maybe I I lack faith. Right. Um, I come right. usually come away saying I I want more peace in my life too. I want to yeah. be a person of peace. I want to yeah. be a peacemaker, and not that I abandon, you know the fact that there are folks that need to preserve peace. And, right. Um, but the, I, the Hitler comparison always comes up, right? Well, what about Hitler in this conversation? Yeah. I always think about my home. Right. I always you think about my individual kids. or corporate. I, mean, I always Hitler's think about my kid. Right. Example. But I, but what hits closest to me is kids and wife. Like mm-hmm. what if their life were threatened? Mm-hmm. 
if I was a hardcore so he, pacifist, would you? Well, here's the deal. I, I don't know. What, what, would a path, what should a pacifist do in that situation? Well, I've had them say, I hope I would live according to my ideals and, 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 and do no harm, which isn't to say they wouldn't act to defend, but they gotcha. would not look to do any harm. Right. And I come down to a disciplinary. For me, it's, it's disciplinary. It is not in the best interest of the criminal to let him uh, hurt my family. It's not his best interest. It's clearly not my family's best interest. So for the same reason that we would spank our children, right? We, we try to get their attention. We would People discipline don't spank them. anymore. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, I didn't spank my children much. And I certainly, yeah. So, but discipline, we do discipline. Yeah. And so it's, it's not in the best interest of criminals to let them be criminals. And so I, I think in some cases, force is needed. That's, force is needed to, to constrain evil. <laughs> I'm thinking of you <laughs> spanking Andrew. <laughs> yeah. You've told some funny stories. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, didn't hurt. I remember well, being. I, I, a should, I remember being a little kid, and and like you know, my mom was gonna just spank you know me and my brother, and I was like, "Don't let her think it. It actually hurts. <laughs> you just have to laugh and say it's fine." Yeah, I was I was raised during the 1970s. My mother broke innumerable things on my backside: <laughs> hairbrushes, wooden spoons. I can spatulas. remember. I can remember misbehaving in a grocery store, a cart full of groceries. My mom taking me out of the store into the car, spanking me, wailing, and you. going back in to finish grocery shopping. She leave you in the car because she didn't want to spank. Did me. she leave you in the car? Did <laughs> no, she abandon I know, you? No. <laughs> because she didn't want to spank me in front of other people in the grocery store. <laughs> I have vivid memories. Sorry, my brother and I story. fist fighting in a store. Oh. And we're just going at it. So mother reaches down and grabs a handful of both our hair. Yeah. Yeah. She separates us and walks us out of the store holding us by the hair of our head. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yes. I'd like ear, ear twists. We did a fun experiment. We did, we, three of our children had spanks growing up and one has not. <laughs> so I can guess see, the one. I know, right? It's pretty clear. <laughs> but uh, we're, this will be an interesting experiment when they become adults. <laughs> well, and to your point, I, not spanking doesn't work with everybody. And we spanked Micah once and I realized, oh my gosh, I can never do that again. That did not have mm. the result, the mm-hmm. effect. It crushed mm-hmm. her spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned yeah. that. But then, Andrew, to your point, I mean, Andrew, it took some work to get his attention in some cases. And so there was a, a, a certain amount of firmness needed, and, and, it, and it yielded the appropriate benefit. And so sometimes we do timeouts, and sometimes, yeah. My mom has often told a story about growing up, and they had a, a weeping willow in the back. Oh, get a switch. Get a switch. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Get a That's switch. Bad. All right, let's, uh, let's, go, let's, go to, uh, let's wrap this up because I have to call all my children <laughs> and, and apologize. <laughs> okay, uh, next question. What does repentance look like? No. Uh, next question. <laughs> Last week on the podcast, you mentioned that God does not play favorites. And I think I know what you meant, but how do you explain election? Yeah, so I certainly believe that God elects some to salvation. Absolutely. In other words, he's actively choosing whom to save. And in this way, he shows his favor. He shows his favor towards those he elects. 
I want to draw a distinction between favor that God shows those he's electing and favoritism. And we know from Romans chapter 2, verse 11, that God doesn't show favoritism. And so it requires some work. Um, so to say that God doesn't play favorites is to say that he's not arbitrary, he's not unfair in his choosing whom he's going to save, or in Israel's case, the, the election or selection of Israel. When we think of favoritism, we think of human uh, choices governed by things that are you know, often motivated by self-interest or subjective judgments because we're finite in our understanding. God, though, selected Israel for special favor. He didn't select Moab. He didn't select Edom. He didn't select Amnon in the way he selected Israel, thus showing Israel favor and he did that in his righteousness. He did that in his fairness. Ultimately, he did it for the purpose of blessing all, all the nations, tribes, and language groups. At the same time, I mentioned again this week that God does not play favorites. And my point there was, that, and I gave an example, that although Israel was used as an instrument of judgment against the Canaanite nations, that God also judged Israel later on. And my point here is that God is perfectly just and right. Um, in his selection of Israel, um, and, and then in his punishment of Israel when they fail to obey. And so, yeah, God is, he's not like humans in, in, our, in the favoritism. I often talk about the, the cosmic kickball selection. You know, do you remember when you were selecting kickball teams and there was all types of you know, subjective and people were left out and, and so God is, I, in drawing a distinction between favor and favoritism, I want to say that we can completely trust our creator who always acts with righteousness and fairness and even as he's selecting some and mm -hmm. not others. I think some, some of the um, issue with favoritism too or that idea is that, well, God selected me. There must be something great about me or and therefore I have authority power over others. Mm. Like you can use it in the wrong way. And, and consistently we see that God favoring Israel, God favoring Abraham, God favoring uh, Jacob over Esau, whatever the examples are, God favoring Mary comes with a very uh, uh, unique um, level of service that actually isn't necessarily uh, always fun, easy, happy. It like it can actually can lead difficult. to persecution um, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, all those sorts of things. Death, so carry your cross. Yeah. How's we, that for selection? Right? right. If he if Christ is the favored one, which is mm. what it says in Matthew, you know. Um, so we need to be careful how we think of that. How we how we think of ourselves, how we think of of other people in when we say, you know, we're chosen, we're favored. We we're, sang that this Sunday. Yes. Yeah. And I raise the distinction between favor and favoritism because there are Christians and non-Christians who are struggling with what does it mean? What does election mean? Mm -hmm. and, and I really want us to see that God, he doesn't, he doesn't play like humans play. We can trust him. And, you know, for the longest time, my father was, was not born again. And, and I wrestled with it and wrestled with it. And, and we can wrestle with, is God fair? And, and I, I want to encourage people to put that to rest. God is perfectly fair. He loves our kids more than we love him. I came to the place where I was, I was convinced God loves my dad more than I love him, and I can trust God 
if he selects my father for salvation, if he doesn't select my father for salvation, mm. which doesn't make me passive in the work. Like I continue to pray for, continued to pray for my dad. And, um, and I, I, it actually, it demonstrates that unless God acts, there's nothing special about the one selected, chosen. And, and to your point, John, I, sometimes Christians can lord it over in, oh, either, yeah. in either position or posture as elect. I grew up in a little bit of that culture. I mean, I grew up in Christian Reformed, West Michigan, where, um, I mean, I heard things like, well, we are the elect, so we can da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And that's just a hard, you need to be really careful with that. Yeah. Right? It's, it can. Yeah, uh, if the da-da-da-da-da-da-da is so we can lay down our lives and serve people without fear great right, right. <laughs> or so every day get on your knees and thank god right if to the humbling, depths of your heart right. you know like but and it was often used yes. in if it, if, it, if it's we can sin however the ex- heck we want and that's often how it was used mm. yeah or evangelism doesn't matter these are the things that matter yeah. protecting the elect discipling the elect yeah those, that's what matters because yeah. that's what God's concerned with is the elect, right? And so, yeah. I mean, and our human, our human minds want to know, like, on what, but why does God choose some and not others? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I can theologically understand that he's just to do so and that mm-hmm. he's good and that mm-hmm. one day I'll 100% agree and, you know, I'll under, hopefully I'll understand, you know, his plan and, and why he did all of that. Um, but we just want to know, like, on what on what basis then is it like mm-hmm. what sure you know like because in in the scriptures we see we do see people who like um you know david was a man after god's own heart uh mary was blessed and favored and um I, you know like you you see uh people who are chosen by god and also they had strong character they had you know but then you also see people who are the worst of the worst like paul and he clearly was chosen <laughs> you know, yeah. chosen by God and called and converted and, you know, did a 180. Mm-hmm. But you, he didn't do anything before that to, <laughs> to merit it, clearly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it can, you know, we have both, we have both, uh, yeah, both examples in the scriptures. But I just, yeah, it's hard not to wonder, like, on, but on, on what basis? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. On the basis of his goodness and <laughs> infinite wisdom. Well, and we often, this might tra- take us down a rabbit trail, so... Uh, we often want to uh, make justice and fairness the same as equality that God is always equal that fairness means equal and fairness and justice don't always mean equality like when we parent our kids we say we are always going to treat you fairly doesn't mean we're going to always treat you equally mm-hmm. now that I, i'm not god and i, I get it you're trying and, to make an example the, yeah. the, it breaks down a little bit but like one of my kids may need to eat after dinner at eight o'clock and they are allowed to and another child is not because they don't need to does that make sense mm-hmm. like and that makes me fair and just but the they did not get equal everything equal we're such an equality culture where fairness and justice equals equality and a lot of times justice and fairness does mean making things equal but it doesn't always mean that and and so we want to say god isn't just and god isn't fair because not everything is 
equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To Matt's point, simply because we don't understand. To, even saying it, you want to be like, well, no, it was equal. Like, you, there's a part of you that wants to, has a hard time wrestling yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes your heart hurt to think that there's somebody that God wouldn't choose. Yes. And you, you really have to stand on a solid faith to believe all that you're saying, Kelly, that he is good and that mm-hmm. he is full of mercy. And we don't have a role in our election. And trying to look at that as it almost gives you a sense of... Um, security in your salvation knowing that you didn't have a choice in Absolutely. it right but yes. it also but the tension is obvious like what if it's a, a loved one your dad or yeah. oh, a yeah. spouse or a sibling yeah it makes your heart hurt so bad mm-hmm. to think that god wouldn't and that's that therein lies the tension so that's i love the the question and the the heart behind it because yeah. people, favoritism we, to me always seems to be always has a negative connotation to it in my mind when i think about favoritism i think about yeah. something that wasn't what not fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, there's a negative. Yeah. yeah, I think that's Yeah, we spent some, accurate. some time this morning n- yeah. nuancing a little bit yeah. just the difference between favorite, like if, favoritism, you, yes. God and can favor. show his favor <laughs> without, he can show his favor mm-hmm. without playing favorites. Like if yeah. you Being told me in, in person X, yeah. right. it's very hard for me as a human to distinguish between my showing someone favor and playing favorites because my motives are always yeah. tainted by sin. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're but finite. God's not. And you're not. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little bit of the wrestling of like what's going on in Romans, clear, clearly. What, what's going on in, uh, for James, talking about favorite and favoritism, and then reconciling that with what we see mm-hmm. God doing in the, the nation of, of Israel, right? Like, and part of how, what we're talking about is the difference between the sin of favoritism and then the beauty of God's righteousness, justice, showing favor uh, to to some. Yeah. So, challenging. Something Simone raised, and I, just, I quizzic on it, and I, hopefully the podcast is a place to quizzic on things. It, it, I, I completely understand that it grieves us that, that God not elect some, not select some, not choose some. At the same time, I've seen that grief turn to doubt, mm-hmm. despair, then into doubt, and, and ultimately disobedience and forsaking the faith. It, here's my point. There are some things, I, I've come to the point on some doctrinal issues that, I've, that I believe uh, that God, God is good, infinite in his wisdom, and I don't have to grieve. I don't let it have to sink me emotionally. Is this making sense? That when my father wasn't, at the time, born again, I, I don't have to walk around mm, tormented by it. I, I can actually trust and know that I can be free I can be prayerful for my father and his salvation. I can be diligent in the work, but I don't have to let it crush me. So, for example, there are some theological issues that Christians are throwing off because they don't, they don't like them, hmm. and, and they can't reconcile them. Election's one of those. Uh, I, there, are, there are some Christians, divorce is one of those, remarriage, the theology of remarriage, the theology of divorce, the theology of women in leadership. And I, I, used, to, I used to apologize for some of my theological positions. Um, and I don't, I don't know that that's wise to do. 
I, I, your grief over the lost, it's understandable. He wishes that none should perish. I should wish that none should perish. But at the same time, I don't have to be buried by the grief. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think there's a difference between being buried by the grief and rustling through the grief. Yep. Uh, and I think I think that's what you're saying. Yes. But I mean, like you said, to to grieve over the loss. Yeah. Lost is appropriate. Is appropriate. Yeah. But you're right in that if it becomes so much that it takes our faith out of God's sovereignty. Yes. Then we then that you've crossed over a threshold, but I would, I'd be, I would be careful to tell anybody not to grieve over something. They don't like you can, you cannot understand God fully. And also, um, oh, <laughs> I don't know. wish he was more like, well, you can be in process. You, yeah. can, you can be wrestling. Like, you can be, you can have more than one emotion at one time yes. is what I'm trying to and say. You can, you can live in that tension. Yes. Of, well, there's something about your heart breaking for the lost, which I think that's supposed to have yes, happen. Absolutely. And, but and also believe God is sovereign at the same time. Totally. They can live in the same yes. place. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. What you're cautioning for is, 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 is when, you, when it, you let it bury you, like as you said, you let, it, you let doubt not just creep in, but take over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then you feel like you are the one to solve it, right? And, and like, you forsake your theological convictions. Right. And, and it, that happens... I mean, the, the whole deconstruction movement mm-hmm. uh, is, I mean, it's a real, as people, and it's, one, it's fine to re-examine our beliefs, but if we're simply uncomfortable with biblical teaching, that's a whole other matter. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've, we, we need to be careful that we not apologize for what we believe the Bible clearly teaches on whatever matter that may mm-hmm. be. So Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's why it's important when Christ taught us to pray that first we just talk about who God is before we mm-hmm. do like, other things. Yeah. We try to do the same thing in worship, like mm-hmm. start off with songs that just talk about God's greatness mm-hmm. and we're going to praise him mm-hmm. and, you know, before we get into the... You said something last week that stuck with me um, about our rhythms and how our rhythms matter when something oh, along this. Right, and I feel like right. this is a great plug for the reminder that we have to be disciplined and, in, and intentional about our spiritual formation at all times. So being active in church and being in the word and having accountability and having a small, like all those things, because there is going to come a time where you're pressed and not mm-hmm. sure about where you stand on something. And so, or not sure how you are wrestling through something and you have to be able to fall back on what you know is true. And those things are developed through our spiritual disciplines. And so yeah. I think I've told a number of people in this past week, your rhythms matter. Yeah. <laughs> how do, how do you guys, how do you feel about, um, about little to small emotion about about the lost. If you're like, but what if you're on that side of it? Like, man, look, dude, God's got this. A little bit this. like where I grew up. <laughs> God's got this. Yeah, and, like we you know, like be... I, I, I am going to evangelize. I am going to try to, you know, but like I'm not emotionally. I'm just like, man, God, God's got a plan. Why would I not trust Him? Why would I be upset about it? Like, He's got this. His plan, His will, will be done, and I'll agree with it. I mean, I think there's a. Is that, is that a bad posture? Is that a wrong posture? I think is it can turn think? that way. Yeah. I, I actually think there's, be- there's some beautiful part of that, right? Like that you are confident in who God is and that he's got a good plan. And, yep. um, w- but that can lead to a hardened heart as well. Right. Where, and inactivity in sharing the gospel. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, right. the, the phrase is the frozen chosen for a reason. They don't do anything. 
<laughs> never heard that before. Because they're chosen. <laughs> oh, I thought that was in reference to worship. <laughs> no, I really did. But, I mean, it, okay. You yeah, know, they're inactive. They're inactive gotcha. for the sake of the lost right. because they, they believe in God's sovereignty. Right. So we need to be careful that we, you know, we get too, too yep. uh, settled where we, well. Apathetic. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't play any role in any right, of this. There's right. nothing I have to do. God is all, you know, and when, we don't do, we don't pray. Mm. Passionately, we don't pray for the lost. We don't go and we never serve. speak God's word publicly. Right, right. When when election predestination was first, when I was first wrestling with with that, somebody gave me uh, evangelism in the sovereignty of God. J.I. Mm-hmm. Packer, yeah, oh, great yeah. read on this topic. Yeah. Why why evangelize then if God's I mean, choosing there, and there, it yeah. can go in such a way where in you know um, all kind of efforts to outside of the, the elect in the church yeah. are have to be done in a way to help more of the elect somewhere else. Yeah. Like it can get so, um, it difficult, you know? So it, it, the defining question becomes, are you elect? Are you in or are you out mm-hmm. yeah, us versus them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to totally bash my background and the, those yeah, two, like yeah, there's sure. a lot of good that happens. But there is a unique danger in in going too far. Um, I could see a heart becoming that. a heart, and, and the oh, manifestation yeah. of it being a not sharing the gospel, not evangelistic lifestyle. I could see mm-hmm. that happening. Oh, and sinful I have a hard time believing doesn't, doesn't have any consequence. Right. Sometimes you know. I have right. a hard time believing if it ever hit hard at home. One of my kids. One of my you know either leaving the faith or I, I'm just concerned about their, like I have a hard time believing that I would have that posture of like, yeah. oh, you know, God's got it. <laughs> His, I'll sure I'm all agree one day and I'll probably yeah. be an emotional. <laughs> right. 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 But, Hey, everybody, wanted to give you a quick heads up. This Sunday, we'll be kicking off our Red Envelope Project, which is a fundraiser for our student missions trips. This year, we have over 100 students going on missions trips uh, to the DR, to Denver, to Chicago, and they are raising funds to make that happen. So this Sunday, uh, there'll be an announcement from the front about Red Envelope Project, and then you can head to the gym and be a part of that uh, that fundraising effort. So we're looking forward to kicking it off this Sunday and uh, would love for you to be a part of it. Um, okay, let's go to the next one. Did I hear you mention today that we are accountable for what our nation does? I'm having trouble accepting that I might be held responsible for the quote sins of our nation, especially with issues like abortion. Could you explain more? Thanks. Yeah, my point on Sunday, I said we're, we're in some respects, we're too individualistic, not realizing our responsibility to speak up and to advocate for righteousness in our state and nation. Uh, so we're not, I'm not saying we're judged for other people's sins. What I'm saying is we have a responsibility to live as light in the darkness, to let our light shine. And so, you know, looking at some biblical examples, Ezra wasn't personally culpable for the sins that he confessed, but he confessed those sins nonetheless. He accepted, as it were, responsibility for sins committed by committed by his community. Daniel did the same thing, confessed the sins of his nation, although he wasn't personally guilty. He recognized a corporate um, responsibility. And 
we're to confess and we're to repent, lament, uh, actively, and the listener brings up the sin of abortion. Man, that's, that's a national sin. It's, uh, and the state of Illinois uh, is particularly active in that sin. And so we need to stand up. We need to speak out. Uh, his, oftentimes, this, this failure to do so has been described as a sin of omission. There are sins of commission, those sins that I actively participate in. I'll, you know, if I drink too much and I'm given to drunkenness, that's a sin of commission. I'm committing that sin. A sin of omission is a, is a failure to act in a way that I should have acted. And that would be, you know, the failure to live as a light in the darkness of what is the state of Illinois or the, the nation of America. And frankly, it's, you know, it's, it's why many Christians will do the March on Washington, the, um, the Right to Life March that takes place each year, and uh, or, you know, they'll, they'll write to their senators, they'll write to their congressmen. Um, so They'll serve in organizations that yeah, you know, try to be more hands-on. Yep, they'll give their time with, and money away to, yeah. to mobilize, to advocate. But I don't think it should ever be done in a sense of, I've washed my hands of that sin. Mm. I'm not a part of what's going on there. That's them right? Like it's, it's in an effort to say, we need change. Like we're in this, we want our nation to change or we, we want our, we want to be a blessing right. as a people of God right? to Babylon. You know, you think of uh, living as a light and yep. for the, for the sake of the goodness of the whole. So what do you think effectually that does then like for Ezra or, or for one of us? Um, and, and may, let's, let's, let's uh, talk about, somebody who is very actively engaged in, and I know we're just kind of picking on the abortion issue here, but someone who does, man, they, they serve, they volunteer at a place like they are, they're really, they're lobbying hard. What effectually does it do for that person to confess their community's sin? What do you mean? What does it do for them? I mean, what in, in general, why should they do that? What, what does it, what does it accomplish? What does it do? What is uh, love, it? joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? I mean, it, to to live as lights of Christ produces the fruit, and you know whatever brings God glory is good for His people. It's it's a blessing, which is to John's point earlier. It doesn't mean it's easy. I mean, there can there are some calls to service that are really difficult, but the fruit of the Spirit is still born in those moments. So I I think even in serving your community in a sacrificial manner. There are blessings to be had. Yeah. Yep. And then would there be a distinction between uh, lamentation over it and, and confession of sin over it? Do they intertwine? Is that oh, too? I, yeah. I mean, I've seen some, I've been a part of a couple of, um, you know, pro-life activities and things like that. And there, the things I've been a part of, there is um, a passionate plea to, to change things to protect life but then an equal, um, a lament for where we've been and, and an omission as a church or as a people of God that we have not always done what we should or could have. Um, not a confession of an individual sin necessarily, yeah. but as a people, let's, uh, where we've missed it, let's admit it, mm-hmm. that we missed it. We should have done better. We should have stood our ground. We should have whatever it was. Let's not, and, and let's not fall asleep at the wheel again or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, there's some specific examples of like the place that got built in Aurora and the church didn't do its job. And so some things like that where um, 
a kind of a let's recognize we didn't do it, guys, and let's let's continue the fight. I don't know if that answers yeah, a little yeah. bit of what you're yeah, saying. I'm just kind but. of wondering what that looks. You know, actually, we could talk about you know what you do, uh, Simone, and what that looks what like. What do you do, Simone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, like when you had a retreat here with your staff, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. was worship and, mm-hmm. and prayer, and mm-hmm. like you know, are you are, you're crying out, mm-hmm. uh, asking? I'm assuming mm-hmm. asking God to to change the situation mm-hmm. in our area, in our country, in our world. Like, I, I was I'm I was contemplating what you were asking and I think in, in relating it to my everyday, yeah. you, it's a response to the spirit. You know, he's leading this grief and this um, um, mourning over the sins committed onto other people in our situation. And then it's this grief of what's happening to people who are caught up in sexual addictions and the fruit of that. Um, so it's just a response to the spirit, like Lord bring healing and, um, asking God to, to change uh, what people are experiencing. And I don't know, it's a combination. I, I think that's my first answer when you asked the question while I was thinking was, is this a response to the spirit? And our, yeah. and our we walk in step with the spirit. Our goal is to walk in the step with the spirit. So if we're aware of sins of our nation or of our culture, and that's our response is to, to pray for healing and to pray for things to be that we find abundant life and walking in step with the spirit in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the, I mean, we could get, go way down some rabbit holes here, but like if, if we're going to talk about abortion, like that presenting issue of the taking of a life in, in the mother's womb, um, like, going back and saying, why are we even getting to that place where that woman has to make that choice? Yeah. Or feels she has to make that choice. Right. right. And so is it, be, so are we, like, where do you start the fight? Mm-hmm. A lot of folks are right at that point, but there are other things. It's a little bit of what, um, like, uh, sex trafficking, mm-hmm. talking just mm-hmm. about that transaction mm-hmm. and working to stop it is valuable and good and should happen. But if we, if we want to fully stop abortion, if we want to mm-hmm. fully stop sex trafficking or some of these major kind of presenting mm-hmm. things, then we'll talk about the use of pornography. We'll mm-hmm. talk about the, the... The structure of the family. Exactly. The, <laughs> Access the, to education. Right. Yeah. The, the, um, the non-support mm-hmm. um, for, for women. We'll talk mm-hmm. about the lack of support for adoption and healthcare Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all these other, like there are so many other things Mm -hmm. that we may not be in the room when an abortion is happening. We're, we're fighting against that, but we may not be actually doing all that we can or should be doing as a church or people have got in all the areas that lead up to that Mm -hmm. one moment. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I I don't want to say, well, Mm -hmm. if you've looked at pornography, you're part of the sex trafficking industry. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit challenging. But there is some l- mm-hmm. major link between right. what pornography does in our yeah. society mm-hmm. and in our world mm-hmm. in degrading mm-hmm. women and not valuing mm-hmm. women and c- causing mm-hmm. sexual addiction that directly leads to the transaction moment of yeah. people being trafficked. Which is why I would go back to emphasize it is being in step with the spirit because in those moments of prayer and crying out for it, whether it's repentance or 
clarity on how to be a light in this dark world, in those moments of prayer, you're, I feel like the, the Lord will illuminate to you other areas in your life that you can take action on. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, back to your question is, yeah. why do we pray for these certain things or how do we respond to them? And I think that's why, because that's how the Spirit's going to lead us to see that it's a much more complicated mm-hmm. issue, typically. Right. Yeah, and I guess I'm... Um, on how to, I guess the question more is like, okay, should in, in, in the framework of this question is, okay, so should Simone and her, uh, staff and ministry, uh, confess, you know, and, and ask for forgiveness for the sins of DuPage County for when you are like on the front line of battling those sins that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But then when I hear you talk, it, it, it kind of sounds like, um, are you saying, uh, if you think that, that these problems are so complex, if you think there's not an area where you could confess, you're probably joking yourself. hundred percent right? like correct. That's, that's kind exactly of, that what sum I'm up saying. Kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Like, like it, yes. Right. And, and you know, we, we need to realize that there's work to be done in all the little areas of like, you can get overwhelmed Mm-hmm. And so you need to fight where you can fight. You need to stand up where you can stand up. You need to add your voice to where you can lead your voice, yep. use your voice, you, need, you know. Um, and you need to admit <laughs> that you have sinned in some way, shape, or form in, in, that has, is a part of all these major issues that we're, we're facing. I think yep. one way to say that is collectively, mm. um, there's, there's, I mean, the phrase, you know, there's blood on our hands as a nation is one that the pro-life movement uses very regularly. I don't think it's worth fighting to say, there's no blood on my hands. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. No, there is. Like You are yep. a part of this country and if it should be a call to be better and, and, and right. different. If you've sinned, then you've contributed to the overall sinfulness of the, the nation. Correct. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. So there is a there's a corporate reality uh, to the sin, and thus there's a corporate responsibility. We have a, a responsibility to our community to yeah. advocate to live as lights. Yeah, that's good. Hey, the last question is for you, Matt. So I'm going to read it. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Number five, totally random question. What is the context, meaning, purpose of the recording of Kelly shouting "Whoa!" prophecy in the final two seconds of each of the podcasts? After the outro music, each week I wonder, so I figured I would ask. All right. Well, first off, it's boom prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, we Kelly did a great series on prophecy several years ago. And while he was talking about it, he was talking about one of the ways that to be prophetic is to pre- just preach God's word on Sundays. And he said something to the effect of, you know, you're preaching God's word. And he goes, boom, prophecy. And we, you know we all kind of laughed because it was a funny moment and I took that sound clip because it was a funny moment and I put it at the end of the podcast one episode and, and you beat it like a dead horse <laughs> and that would just be weird to not have it you know what it's our sign off I've never sign-off. heard it well, who I've never some made people it that part of the podcast it, it always comes five seconds after it's stopped and I'm just curious if people listen that Sherry long hears it she's like what is Matt doing <laughs> why do we have to have that on there it's, why do you listen to it it's people that have it like well it's like people no, in no. their car or whatever right, it's still on their phone and they're yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I love it for this pers- reason alone. Uh, the prophetic doesn't get enough play. And any time, 
It doesn't. Let's make this theological. Oh, here we, we, go. we don't. We don't realize we can be a part of the the supernatural communication that God is trying to to make in the world by speaking His word. We're, we all have the role of prophets. We have a podcast that I'm confident. A hundred percent of the episodes, there's been scripture. Yeah. There's been yeah. Bible verses. And so I like it. I actually, I feel like it's our sign off. It's our like, you know, when you watch a show and it has all those, the, the ends of the production companies come up and you know, whatever it is, bad robot or whatever. Like it's kind of one of those things. And it's just having fun. I like to have fun, no fun and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've never made fun of Kelly for anything he's said in experiments before. <laughs> Boom prophecies at the top of my list. Though. I love it. I love it. And I love it not just because it's funny. I love it because I love it. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text next little podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, but also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning into the next level. Boom. Prophecy.